No taxation without representation. 200 years of exploitation in the capital of this nation. No representation in the capital of this nation. 200 years of exploitation. Give the people their right to vote. Someone asked me, was it true? The voting rights of the district were long overdue. That was Sweet Honey in the Rock with Give the People the Right to Vote. Hello and welcome to Shadow Politics, an hour-long grassroots talk show which will attempt to shine a light on the issues that you care about. I'm your host, United States Senator Michael D. Brown, Coming to you live from the District of Columbia, America's last colony. I hope my show will start a dialogue with America about the issues that are important to you and affect the lives of all of us. So you should feel free to call in if you have questions at 888-628-6008. And tonight, to start out the Happy New Year, we have two dear friends, uh, not only friends of mine, but friends to the District of Columbia, we've got uh, Representative Charles Moreland and uh, Johnny Barnes. Representative Moreland was the first elected uh, D.C. Uh, representative. He was elected in 1990. Uh, he, was, he served as the chief national lobbyist for the D.C. Voting Rights Amendment and, and testified before numerous state legislators to support ratification of the constitutional amendment that uh, the district had that would have given us two senators. Uh, Johnny Barnes is a trial attorney, an expert on civil liberties and the federal and local legislative process. He has, he has spent more than a quarter of a century in various congressional staff positions, including chief of staff for three members of Congress including our uh, beloved Walter Fauntroy. And thanks uh, so much for being on the show, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, let's start out by, uh, well, let's start at the beginning here. Uh, the statehood bill is dead, is it not? Uh, gentlemen, doesn't it need to be reintroduced uh, in this session of Congress? We have to start mm -hmm. all over. Yeah. Yeah. And and we don't we I mean we've had Wayne Gilchrist who was the only Republican in the history of America that ever voted for statehood on on our show a delightful guy who was a congressman from Maryland you guys probably remember him but uh, that's it no no other no other Republicans so we can assume that this is a, a this is a, a lame duck. For the next two years. Now, it, it, if once well, it's Senator, can I jump in yeah, right uh, there? Yeah, please, please do. Because yeah. I don't assume that. Um, some years ago, when um, Ron Dellums was chair of the House District Committee, there were a lot of Republicans who supported the D.C. Uh, statehood bill. Uh, and that came out in hearings that uh, over several years, or several months that were conducted by the committee. I mean, Republicans like Stu McKinney, he's, he's now deceased, of course, Hamilton Fish of New York, Ronald Reagan's lawyer, and this, this, then I'll yield back to you, 
Senator, Ronald Reagan's lawyer. This is the proudest thing I did when working on that D.C. statehood bill. Charles Allen Wright, a University of Texas professor of law. Nobody went through law school in my day and probably today without reading right on federal courts and federal systems. He was the definitive word on federal courts and federal systems. And he was a rock rib Republican, Ronald Reagan's private lawyer. He supported D.C. statehood in testimony before the Dulles Committee. So this is a new breed of Republicans. Uh, these, these people who make up things on their resumes, who try to steal elections when they lose them, this is a new breed. But I'm not convinced that we can't get more Stuart McKinney's and Hamilton Fish and Charles Allen Wright's thinkers from the Republican Party to support us. Well, that would be that would be a great thing if we could do that. And maybe part of our strategy should be trying to figure out who who's most likely to fall into that category. Uh, Charles, do you, what do you think? Do you think that uh, there are Republicans out there we might be able to get? Well, Senator Brown, let me start from the beginning, okay, because. I, I invited a number of people here who don't really understand the, the background of where we why we were talking about DC yeah. statehood on the first of January, uh, yeah. uh, the first of the year. So uh, you know, I've invited people from uh, uh, and they're on the line from from my hometown who really don't understand, who ask me questions all the time. Well, what, what is this about? Why do you say that DC citizens? are disenfranchised and not, not really part of the American system of individuals like Larry Knox and Sherry Stewart and Linda Davis from my high school I've known for years ago who are very political, but they don't understand. So let me just say here, first of all, I'm very happy to be a part of this team tonight. Uh, I, I'm glad to be welcomed by you, Senator Brown. I'm glad to be on the call with Johnny Barnes. I don't know two individuals who have contributed more and who have fought harder to uh, help D.C. citizens become first-class American citizens. Uh, uh, so, uh, uh, as you know, you, you may recall that uh, uh, Roosevelt wrote uh, uh, a statement about that stated that it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong the the, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat, who knows uh, how to strive to do good deeds. And that's the two of you. Uh, you all are in the arena. You have been in the arena. Johnny, you've been in the arena longer, well, longer than I have. Uh, we were only children. Of course, you were a grown man, but I was, uh, I, was just a, I was just a young law school student following you, Johnny, in uh, what, 1978, 76. That's how long we've been fighting to make Washingtonians first-class American citizens. We are disenfranchised. We don't have any votes in the Senate or in the House, no members of Congress. We are subject to the whims and to the... And to Whatever 
the, the House of Representatives or any member of the House wants to do to us. So we are totally disenfranchised, and that's what this is about. So I want to get started, and like I say, thank you and Johnny for for allowing me to be on this call tonight. Charlie, I'll thank you for a little kind and warm yeah. words, and and we do go back a long way. I remember you you traveling all over the United States uh, to try to get that uh, D.C. Voting Rights Amendment ratified. I want to go back further, though, Charlie, because I was a Cub Scout. I was a Boy Scout. I was an Eagle Scout. I was a distinguished military graduate commissioned in the United States Army as a combat engineer officer, finished first in my class. And I had bought into those platitudes that we had learned over the years, one person, one vote. Everybody has a place. And um, then I came to Washington, D.C. for law school and crossed that invisible line. And all of a sudden, I, I became second class. I could no longer vote for senators and representatives. I no longer had a government that was free from the whims of Congress. I became second class, no different than a slave. And that's when I started working on this, that, that I knew it was wrong, because it was different from everything I had been taught about America and how we function here. So uh, you're right, Charlie. We, don't, we can't decide on, on when we pay taxes and who pays. We can't uh, uh, participate uh, when federal judges are nominated. If we go to war, we have nothing to say about that, but we have much to do because we die at higher numbers than anybody else in the wars that, in defense of America. We have all the burdens of citizenship, but we don't have the most fundamental right of citizenship. And uh, we're going to fix that, right, Senator and, and Representative? We're going to fix that this year. We're not waiting anymore. Thank you. Well, we're, yes, and we're going to, and thanks for straightening that out, uh, both of you, because sometimes I assume that everybody knows this, and uh, we know for a fact that most people do not know it. Uh, surveys around the country uh, in the past have shown that most people think we have the same rights they do, uh, and why not? Well, you know, it's counterintuitive to think that the nation's capital doesn't have any democracy. The center of our democracy doesn't have any democracy. So thanks for, for pointing that out. And, and uh, yeah, we're going to work on it. it. This is, you know, this is a, a, a political uh, anachronism. It, you know, it was in, enacted 200 years ago. And if you went uh, a little more than that, actually, if you went a little further back from where Johnny went, men like my father, who returned from the Second World War, couldn't even vote for president. They were out there, they were out there saving the world for democracy, and they came home and they couldn't even vote for president. So it's been a long haul. But one thing that uh, bothers me right now is that I see the District of Columbia uh, being set up to be a whipping boy for the Republican Party. Now, I hope this changes, but we've already had this guy, Andrew Clyde, introduce legislation that would uh, get rid of home rule in the district of 
District of Columbia. And another guy, get rid of the mayor, get rid of the city council. We already have another guy named Rodney Davis, both Republicans, who have uh, introduced legislation that would change the way we vote. No more absentee voting, no more uh, voter ID we would need. Um, I mean, it's just horrendous. And of course, I don't know why these people come from Georgia, you know, because there have been some great, I work for Jimmy Carter, and of course we all love John Lewis, but we also have Marjorie Taylor Greene down there in Georgia, and uh, she said that uh, the District of Columbia is, is, a, is a hellhole, and that we need to have our, uh, our uh, home rule revoked because uh, the city is such a dump. And, and nothing could be further from the truth. So what do you let, think about let, this guy? Next, Senator Brown, they're going to be calling D.C. an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> That's right around the corner. Uh, on, uh, yeah. Quite frankly, on January 3rd, two days from now, the House is going to switch back to Republican control. And yeah. that poses real risk. Not imaginary. We're not paranoid here. Uh, as they say, if the helicopters follow you, you're not paranoid. <laughs> so, <laughs> they are real risks to D.C. Right. residents. Uh, Delegate Elnor Holmes noted in the D.C. that D.C. is going to be in special danger. Yeah, she that, and let me quote her. My fear is that if Republicans take over, uh, when they take over, they'll, they'll try the most radical of their ideas on us. And uh, let me give that a little background, too. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution gives the Congress absolute control over the District of Columbia. That's the Constitution. And the House District Committee uh, manages and controls D.C. Even now, every law and every bill passed by our uh, elected official, is subject to congressional review. I mean, that's uh, just a total denial of democracy and freedom. That's the system under which we live. The system of government, I've often said, it, it resembles democracy about as much as a lightning bug resembles a lightning bolt. And so that's where we are. Uh, now, I also want to make it clear here that we are not to fear, because ultimately, I do believe that our fate is in our own hands. The power belongs to the people. And so, as we look at 2023, I don't think we need to lay down and wait and take all that they're going to give us because we know it's coming. What we need to do is what we have, what I have, 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 have called for, for all the time that I have been supporting D.C. statehood, and that is the people need to stand up, the people of D.C. Um, nobody can ride your back unless your back is bent. So the people of D.C. need to rise up. I mean, we have begged and pleaded in as humble a fashion as any slaves have ever pleaded for their freedom. And yet our primary 
activities have been based on asking people around the country to help us. And in talking to members of Congress, uh, they basically say, well, yeah, we want to help you, but y'all need to stand up. People all around the world right. standing up, demanding freedom and justice. And if you took this system of government that we have and tried to impose it on any people anywhere in the world, they'd take up a gun and shoot you. And the well, you know, Charlie, Senator, Ch- if I may jump in, I couldn't yeah, agree yeah. with Charlie more, yeah. uh, but I'm more, I'm a bit more optimistic. I see the glasses as half full rather than half empty. And uh, I gave 25 years of my life to Congress as a staff person, as you know, the senator, uh, three times as chief of staff. So I have some understanding about how that system works. And in order for a a whack idea like those pronounced by Green and the rest of those crazy Republicans, not all Republicans are crazy, uh, they have to have bicameralism and presentment. That's in the Constitution, as Charlie knows. Bicameralism and presentment. That means both houses have to agree, and the president has to sign or do nothing. And so I'm riding with Biden, and I'm counting on Kamala, that when those whack ideas come from the House of Representatives, and they will, our Senate, that we still control, thanks to Georgia, Senator, and our president and vice president will do the right thing. And let me just remind you, why I don't think we ought to give up on any Republican. All politics is local. And we need to do two things in 2023. And I'm going to tell you what they are in a minute. But I remember when we snatched victory from the arms of defeat when we passed the King Holiday Bill. Because Ronald Reagan said he would never sign it because King was a communist. There was strong opposition from Republicans. But when we put 150,000 people on the west lawn of the Capitol and Stevie Wonder sang that song, doesn't make much sense, and that little boy was photographed on the front page of the Washington Post sitting on the side of the, the, the uh, road because he was tired of walking and he just had a sign that said, pass the bill. And they passed the King Holiday Bill, and Reagan signed it. The power of the people is stronger than the people in power, like you said, Charlie. And the second thing, with the, with the anti-apartheid bill, again, Reagan said, uh, you know, we're not supporting this. Um, and I'll never forget, forget when Pug Ravenel from South Carolina went to the floor of the House, and he said, I love my president. I support our president, but on this year's South Africa apartheid bill, Reagan ain't running, I is. All politics is local. We got rid of Johnny McMillan, Charlie, as you know, because we went to South Carolina. So we got to get our friends and ask them for help. Not help, but help. That's how you talk in the South. And, and so if we, if we mount a people movement like you just described, Charlie, as we did with the King Holiday Bill and put 150,000 people on the West Lawn of the Capitol. And secondly, we got to sue them. And I'm going to take care of that part. 
because every treaty to which the United States is a party says that you have to treat the people in your capital no different than you treat the people in the rest of your country. And the United States is the only country in the world, the only country in the world, the only country in the world that denies full citizenship rights to the people of its capital. The only so we go around trying to extend the perimeters of democracy around the world, as Reagan said, and they come to a screeching halt in the shadow of the Washington Monument. We gotta do as you said, Senator, when we had our conversation, and as John Lewis instructed us, we gotta we gotta get some good trouble going. Yeah. Because yes. Power concedes nothing without demand. That's absolutely right. And you know, the ironic thing about what Charles said in that that people wouldn't stand for this anywhere else. You know, they wouldn't stand for it here in the District of Columbia. If you tried to take the voting rights away from the people of Delaware, there would be people in this city that would stand up and, you know, for those people. We just seem to have such a problem in standing up for ourselves, and and uh, it's true. We send people up to Capitol Hill. We send the mayor and the chairman of Capitol, uh, the city council, to explain to members of Congress that D.C. statehood is constitutional. They know it's constitutional. Their problem is two more Democrats. They don't want two more Democrats, and that's the way it's always been. You know, South Dakota and North Dakota were split up so there could be four Republican senators. Uh, it's always about power. It's it's always about power. And you're right to quote Frederick Douglass that power can seize nothing without a demand. But what about court cases, Johnny? Uh, since the Constitution, uh, uh, Charles uh, mentioned the part of the Constitution that gives um the Congress exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever, doesn't that really keep us out of the courts? Didn't they say in Adam and three Clinton? Well, we've, we've had, the courts we've have always had, uh, said it's a political issue. And Johnny well, and I know it's a political right. issue. That's the bottom go line. Ahead, Charles, and then I'll follow. I'm going to defer to you. Yeah, on this go chance, ahead. But you know, well, I, okay, I, well, Senator, we've had constitutional law professors from all over the country. University of Virginia, University of Tennessee, George Washington University, right here. Uh, a, a virtual parade of constitutional law professors and lawyers, all who have said that you can create a state out of the residential part of Washington, D.C., just as we have home rule now over the residential part, and leave that federal enclave, the White House, the monument, the mall, the vice president's uh, residence, leave that to be the District of Columbia, the nation's capital, without disturbing Article One, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution. So the enlightened thinkers in law will tell us you can create a state out of Washington, D.C. that's already competitive or larger in population and people than some of the states out there. Um, 
and and you can do it constitutionally. Uh, that is, that uh, provision of the Constitution is not a problem. Johnny, you came up with that brilliant idea, I do recall, you and a group of folks, yes. because we first were seeking uh, D.C. voting rights so that we, 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 we wouldn't uh, be faced with Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17. Uh, so what, what, what Johnny and a group of people did was came up with the brilliant idea that, that rather than making this district a state, we would uh, carve out the, the district as separate from the 712,000 people who live here. Because you must understand that we got in this position, this position because of what they, they, they call a historical accident. Uh, because only about 4,000 people lived in this area when the district was carved out to be the capital. But now there are 712,000 people. So it's a brilliant idea, John. And now it is not a, a, a violation of the Constitution. It is constitutional. But when you're talking about the involvement of the judiciary, I know uh, because I sue uh, uh, the United States government, sued to Congress, and the courts have always said that this is a political issue. They're not. The yeah. courts are not going to get involved and make us a state. But it is not unconstitutional. But the courts are not. The, the, the issue is not going to be resolved in the courts. It must be resolved in the Congress. And every state that has been admitted to the union has been admitted by a majority of of the votes. Now I want to say that because uh, we we are close. We right now, as we speak, up until the third, we we are closer now than we have ever been. In fact, if just one outspoken senator, Joe Manchin, had supported statehood in the Senate, it would pass. Uh, uh, in the House, needing really one vote in the in the Senate, uh, we were close, but ninety nine and a half won't do. We got to have a hundred. We and now people are saying, well, let's wait two years, and now we may we may get uh, the majority in the Senate and majority in the House. But to ask a slave to ask us today to wait two more years before we can uh, become a state is to ask us to be slaves for two more years. Justice delayed is justice denied. Well, you know, I Charlie, agree, I agree with you. We, we can't wait. We won't wait. And that's why I think it's a two-pronged approach. One is the people approach, as you say. And if we get enough people, uh, I have this idea of surrounding the capital the way the Philadelphia militiamen did when they uh, uh, demanded, uh, you know, that the Congress pay them for their for their work, and Congress snuck out the back door under the cloak of darkness. That's why they created Washington D.C., and that's why we say we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. They were escaping uh, the people of one state who demanded that Congress treat them fairly and properly. And they came and they and they piled on us. We only had thirty five hundred people in D.C. at that time. So we have to have a people movement, but we also need to sue them because we gave up our rights 
to uh, to be on equal footing with every other American, with the promise that all federal uh, facilities would be located in Washington D.C. So we sold our rights. We didn't. You and I, Charlie, are the senator, but uh, those who came before us sold our rights for a nickel and a dime. Well, of course, now, Washington, D.C. isn't really Washington, D.C. All of the top-paying jobs are out in Virginia. Uh, They have more federal employees in Texas and California than they do in Washington. The Pentagon is in Virginia. The CIA is in Virginia. The, the, uh, uh, the, the place uh, where Congress people go when they're, they're uh, infirmed is in Maryland. All of these things that were supposed to stay in D.C., they're trying to move the FBI building out of Washington, D.C. into either Virginia or Maryland. They are breaching the agreement that we, not us, but others made with them years ago, and, and I think that's count number one. We're going to sue the FBI so they can't move. Now, some folks may not agree with that, so they can't move from Washington, D.C., but we're going to make that the symbol of our passion and the symbol of our protest and the symbol of why it is so backwards to treat us differently simply because we crossed that invisible line from Indiana into Washington, D.C. So we need them both, Charlie, is what I'm saying. I agree with you. The people movement will ultimately do it uh, because we can turn those Republicans, some. All politics are local. Johnny, you, well, I, let, I, let, I, I think that... let me tell you where our passions ought to be. Our passions ought to be on Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. They let us down. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars on one senator from Georgia and didn't spend a dime to help D.C. get two senators. We're going to have to wait two years for the stars to be aligned again. And as you said, let's not wait. We're not waiting. We won't get the house back. I reject that, Johnny. I reject that. Let me tell you something. They spent, again, hundreds of millions of dollars to get one senator in Georgia. When two senators in D.C. who would be uh, Democratic, who would be yep. liberal, and who would so that uh, Senator Brown, you know all the bills that would have been passed if Joe Biden from day one has said state D.C. statehood is going to be our number one priority. They wouldn't have had to spend the hundreds of millions of dollars and get bill after bill defeated in the House if they had focused on what ought to be the Democratic Party's number one priority, D.C. statehood. Well, and you know what? You're exactly right about the $80 million they spent in Georgia, and we seem to shy away from this. We go up to Capitol Hill, and we never talk about two more Democrats. Everybody knows it's about two more Democrats, and that's why the Republicans are against it. But the Democrats ought to be for it for the same reason that the Republicans are against it. Because two more Democrats would make a dramatic difference in the United States Senate. And my feeling is, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I think now is the perfect time to start a fight and to say to these guys, bring it on. Bring on all these draconian 
things that, that you want to do to the District of Columbia. Because as Johnny pointed out, it's not going to pass the Senate. The, the president isn't going to sign it into law. But if we start a public fight about this stuff, the same surveys that showed that people didn't know that we had the same rights that they had also showed that 80% of America agrees with us that we should be equal. So it seems to me now this is the perfect time to start a fight. What do you think, guys? Should we? I agree with you, Senator. In 2023, we have to make our move. If you go to Indiana, Pence country and quail country, where I grew up, they are shocked that we don't have the same rights that they do. They really are. And, and it's, this is really, uh, you know, the, the women couldn't vote. And so we fixed that. The, you know, black people couldn't vote. We fixed that. 18-year-olds could go to war, could go to Vietnam, and could not vote, and we fixed that. This is the last remaining vestige of disenfranchisement of a group of people in America simply because of where we live. It makes no sense, and, and we've got to do that good trouble like you and Charlie are describing, uh, and we got to take the fight to them, and we got to do it in 2023. I'm not willing to wait two more years. I'm just not. Absolutely. And, Johnny, right. that takes, takes me back to, to the, the original statement I made. Why do D.C. residents accept this? I don't know. It really well, is, and, and, may, and, and it may be what you all are saying is that is that if if, if these radicals in Congress, if if they act and do the things that they're threatening to do, it might turn this flicker into a flame. Right. It might ignite it because I say it, and and and, and a lot of DC residents don't like to be considered political slaves, but we are servants at the banquet table of democracy. And we have empty plates. We're starving while everybody else is feasting on freedom and democracy. And yet we don't rise up. D.C. citizens, rise up. The world is with you. And you know what? And we quote Frederick Douglass all the time. And and in one of his very first speeches uh, on on what was the 4th of July to a slave, he says at the end of the speech, it's not the light. We don't need to enlighten people. It's not the light that we need. It's the fire. And, and, And I think that's really true here now. It's not the light because everybody knows this is wrong. But it's the fire. We need to come. And, and as you point out, Johnny, if we could get 150,000 people on the West Lawn of the Capitol, you'd be getting statehood shortly thereafter, I believe. Exactly. And, and, I agree, Senator. You know, and that was a glorious day because all them senators peeked out their windows and, and wondered what was going on. And, 
you know, they all came, they saw the cameras and they saw, they saw the activity, and they all came out and had something to say. All of a sudden, senators who had never said anything came out and, 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 and stepped in front of that crowd because there was a bunch of people from their state there. All politics is local. And uh, if, we, uh, if, we can, if we can, you know, as you say, Senator, get the fire going, the light will come on. And well, uh, you, I'm prepared you quote, you quote to, to put the time in in 2023. And Senator, you keep, you keep quoting Frederick Douglass, and I think that's appropriate. For people who don't know, uh, the new state will be Douglas Commonwealth Coalition. Yeah. Uh, Douglas right. Commonwealth, I'm sorry. And uh, uh, let me quote Frederick Douglass just for a minute. Uh, Frederick Douglass said, oppression makes a wise man mad. And in that same speech that you talk about, let me paraphrase him. He said, there's a sad sense of disparity between us as Washingtonians and the, and the rest of the country. He said, I am not included within the pale of this glorious celebration. So as we celebrate the new year here, I want to say to everybody, we're here talking tonight about statehood because your high celebration only reveals, in quoting Frederick Douglass, the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which other Americans rejoice this day are not enjoyed in common. Your rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence, bequeathed by your fathers, is shared by you, but not by us. Well, and you know, what Johnny was talking about on, on, the, on the, the, the King holiday, as my dear old uh, daddy used to say, nothing succeeds like success, and that's so true in politics, right? If, if I mean that, that's one of the wonderful things about politics is the day before the election, you're talking about how your opponent was the you know the a horrible person, and then when he wins, you're hugging him, saying how proud you are that you're going to be able to work with him in the future. So if we can get the ball rolling. That's really what we need to do, right? We need to get the snowball rolling down the hill so it picks up momentum. And uh, I, you, you guys, you know, you're from Indiana, uh, Johnny. I'm from New Jersey. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where Charles grew up. But people in America. From Georgia. From Georgia. People, yeah, people they, they, they don't believe in this stuff. They, you know, they would stand behind us. This is, this is, among other things, it is totally un-American. So, uh, yeah, we got to get the ball rolling. But, you know, something well, Charles told uh, me very early on that I didn't believe, and now that I've done this for 16 years, I do believe it, is that there are people that are provocateurs who say they want this, but they really don't want it. What do we do about them? They don't put the government doesn't put any money into this. Now I'm not sure the government should how much the government should support this. You know, the government of Mon Montgomery didn't support the bus boycott. The you, you know, the people in Selma City Council didn't support marching over the Pettus Bridge. So maybe it is on us and not on the government to do something well, about Well you talk this. about the DC government. Senator Brown. Yeah. And let me tell you yeah. something. The government has the ultimate responsibility and our elected officials. Yes, you're talking about 
uh, what should be done at home. Well, our elected officials are, are make-believe uh, politicians pretending at politics when it comes down to it. If you are an elected official in a democratic system, your first obligation is to make sure that your constituents have full democracy. So, yes, this government, this make-believe government, has the responsibility for making sure that our citizens are first-class citizens, that we enjoy all the, the, the rights that other citizens in, a, in, in, in this union of states have. But as you said, as you mentioned, they have not. So one of the things we need to do is to demand that our elected officials stand up for our rights. And in addition to circling the Capitol, uh, Johnny, we ought to look at ways that that we can uh, that we can uh, you know make sure that 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 our government money is not spent in support supporting people who don't support our freedom. One of the things that we ought to do, and Johnny, as you know, I drafted this legislation, is legislation that uh, would make sure we don't give any contracts to people who oppose our freedom. Won't be the first time that's been done. Uh, we do that, and we and states have, and, and, and counties and, and cities have done that to support uh, all kind of rights, gay rights, uh, uh, right to, to, to abortion so forth and so on. So we should not give contracts to organizations and entities and businesses who oppose our right to be first-class citizens. Well, Charlie, you know, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And the senator has fortuitously brought the three of us together. And, And I pledge that every day of 2023... When I wake up, the first thing I'm going to ask myself is, what did I do yesterday for D.C. statehood, and what will I do today? And if we have a plan, and a number of ideas have been uh, tossed into the ring here, and follow that plan to get our own politicians off the dime, because they're already spending a lot of money from the yeah. budget to get this done. It doesn't make any sense to get our own people revved up and riled up about this with uh, some definitive action, visible action. Um, they did the Million Man March, and not one person was arrested. Uh, but around the world, they knew that this thing happened. Uh, they did the January 6th, and and, and the president should have been arrested. So we don't have to, we don't have to uh, be loud to be heard, as the senator pointed out. But we need to get our own people revved up and riled up. Uh, well, to Johnny, get Johnny, I'm going to go a little bit further and call some of them out. Call, call them out, Charlie. Let me call our oh, government yeah. out. Let me say something, because I ain't running for nothing. Okay. You put your money where your priorities are. Let me be a little bit more specific here. Those people in government who give lip service to D.C. statehood, who give lip service to our freedom, 
you know where they have our D.C. statehood delegation, our two senators and our U.S. representatives? They're not just in the basement of the district building. They're in the sub-basement. They don't give our elected representatives to the Senate and to the House any salaries. They give no priority to what they consider to be uh, our our, our rights, they give lip service to D.C. statehood, but we need a full commitment from our local elected officials to the D.C. statehood movement. I would imagine that over the years, whatever number of years since 1990 when I was uh, uh, the U.S. representative, I know that for myself, I paid for my own office. I paid for my own yeah. employees. Uh, we didn't have an office, Okay. Right. And and not much has changed now. I I Michael, you can help me here. I would imagine in all the years since we agreed to have uh to elect our US representatives and senators, uh I I would like to know, Michael, how many thousands or millions of dollars have our local government spent on our struggle for freedom? Help me out here. I uh, I I I would be surprised now they've given to run the three offices that we have in 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 the past uh, six years. They've given two, a little more than two hundred thousand dollars. But other than that, I was in the first ten years. I was just like you, Charles. I had to pay for my own accommodations if I traveled. If I took somebody out to lunch, I had to pay for 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 that out of my own pocket. I spent fifty thousand dollars of my own money. So, so yeah, they're really, they're really seriously lacking. And what that causes is not only that we don't get support locally, but then that, that transcends to everything else we do. For example, I, I've been in some capacity at the past 10 Democratic nominating conventions. Well, I can tell you with the back of the head, of everybody from Guam looks like, because that's where the D.C. delegation is. It's not the California delegation is right in front of the stage. The D.C. delegation is up in the rafters, you know, behind behind everybody else. And that 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 so so that's the effect we have when we go up to Capitol Hill. Sometimes, you know, I'll have a Senate office say to me. Well, you're a volunteer, aren't you, Senator? And, of course, I have to say, yes, I am. And then they'll say, well, we have Susie here. Susie's our intern. She just graduated <laughs> from uh, Walla Walla High School. And she'd be happy. To, the Senator's not available right now, but Susie would be more than happy to, to talk to you. And she was a head cheerleader. So, you know, I mean, yeah, we get treated like that. Now, not always. Some people are nice, and I've met with Susan Collins not long ago. Some senators meet with me directly, but but for the most part, you know, that extent, the Washington Post calls us shadows. The city government calls us shadows, even though our official title is United States Senator and United States Representative. They call us shadows, and then they call themselves the D.C. Uh, they, they call themselves the D.C. Council because they don't want to be called the city council. They, so they use hyperbole to make themselves look bigger, and they always put us down. We also, by the way, 
are not allowed to raise money. We're the only citywide elected officials not allowed to raise money for our campaigns with matching funds. And we're the only elected officials in the District of Columbia not allowed to transfer into the new government. So they use every opportunity to put us down, and, and that's wrong. But but they also do it in every other aspect, you know, that, that they they don't – you know, like they won't, they won't talk about two more Democrats because as Johnny said, like that's not it. As Johnny that's said, Senator, all politics is local. Exactly. Uh, right. The road to freedom for seven hundred and twelve thousand DC residents starts at home, and yep. so the citizens, Johnny, I'm with you. I'm going to join you in your challenge. And I want to challenge every D.C. resident and every uh, statehood supporter and every everybody that supports freedom and justice everywhere in the world. I'm going to wake up every morning, Johnny, and I'm going to ask, what did I do to support D.C. statehood? Ours is the most righteous struggle for democracy on the planet. And we it must is. understand that as a people. If we stand up, the whole world will join us. They're ready. What we don't have is the citizens of Washington, D.C. saying, we're going to stand up, and we're not going to let you ride our back. Beat us. We're dead. If the Republicans come, come up with this crazy mess that they're threatening, it's going to light a fire that they, uh, that, that they can't believe in the, in the, in the hearts and souls of the citizens of Washington, D.C., and people around the world who are going to be appalled at this level of injustice that we've been suffering. We can learn well, from Ukraine, Charlie. Yeah, hey, that's right. Absolutely. And you know what? Johnny, I'm with you. If you believe in a woman's right to choose, if you believe in same-sex marriage, for example, where we have Mike Lee from Utah, trying to change a law that will only affect the District of Columbia and other fed it would affect uh, 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 benefits for um, same-sex married couples on a federal level, but also in the District of Columbia. If you believe in a liberal agenda, two more Democrats from Washington, D.C. in the United States Senate and a vote in the House of Representatives would help in, in all those regards. So this yep. is not just about D.C. Like, you know, like Zelensky has said, it's not just about Ukraine. And it's not just about D.C. It's it about all It will change the dynamics of American politics, Senator Brown. That's right. Uh, and, and, the, and not just American politics. You know, we live in a world right now where... It seems that that good and evil are equally balanced, especially in America. There's yeah. such a tight balance. And when you take 712,000 citizens out of the equation, then the scales of justice are bent towards injustice. And that's what we have here. American democracy requires the involvement of every American, the enfranchised, and the equal justice for and equal rights for every American. And we have an imbalance 
because 712,000 citizens, which equates to two senators and one U.S. representative, are left out of the democratic system. And not only 712,000 uh, uh, American citizens, but many of whom actually make the policy and the politics that make this country operate. And, you know, I've said this before, this is really like telling the people of Detroit they can't drive to tell us that we can't vote. You know, we're, I don't care what your cause is. If you're against guns, if you're for guns, if you're for a woman's right to choose, if you're against, so no matter what it is, there's somebody in Washington working on it. So uh, to exclude us, it, it seems to me, is just a, a you know, uh, double damage. But anyway, but we can't be begging. We can't no, be begging and begging. We got this. No, no, we can't go down there on bended knee. No, but, no, no. But, no. I, but again, we, I don't think we ought to let the Republicans off the hook on this very Tea Party uh, conservative concept. It's what America's about. And, and we didn't let Republicans off the hook, Charlie, as you recall, when we were doing the D.C. Voting Rights Amendment, because... We had Republicans. It we had, ultimately, ultimately, we got Barry Goldwater, who we voted against when we finally got right. the right senator to vote for president right. that your, uh, I think you said, father or grandfather didn't have. We voted against Barry Goldwater in 64, yep. but he voted for us in 78. We got Strom Thurmond. Um, we got Bob Dole, who went to the to the monument and gave a speech as to why this was wrong. We got Howard Baker, who had been who who ultimately became Reagan's chief of staff in the White House. Howard Baker from Tennessee. So we got a lot of of very conservative Republicans who saw the light on this because we lit the fire, as you said, Senator. So let's not let's not let them off the hook. We know it's going to be tough. Because their party is is uh, has lost its way under Trump, but all we need to do is start with one. If we can get one, then the the domino effect comes in place. And so now, while let, we let while we work you, on the Democrats, and they do need to be worked on, Charlie, John, we had a rare opportunity this last Congress, and we let it slip through our fingers. We did, Johnny. Let, let me let me join you, and let me ask everybody. Uh, to join us, Let, let's put together a statehood uh, webinar. And I want to ask everybody to go to uh, www.douglascommonwealth.us. And uh, we're going to organize this webinar on that website. Let me repeat it again. www.douglascommonwealth.us. Dot US, and that's Douglas with two S's. Well, and take a date, Charlie, and let's give it enough time that we can get the, the uh, civic associations, the ANCs, the church community, let's give them all notice and an opportunity to participate. I'll defer to and, you and, and the Senate on that date. I suggest uh, around the week uh, of Martin Luther King's uh, birthday. Yeah, I don't know if we can move that fast. Yeah, but maybe mm -hmm. we could do it for April. 
which is Emancipation Day. Yeah, that might be a good time. We need enough time to build it up. And then it it must also include uh, a way to let Congress know how we feel, a strong way to let them know how we feel. So, April, you um, asking me to, to 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 keep these chains on me. To April, you asking me to to to, to be a slave. And before some of you all want to agree to have it, then let's do it. I'm with it. I'll defer. Well, you we we well, we don't. You know, we stay in the movement. The only thing we've done wrong has been unorganized too long. We got to get organized. And 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 if we want to put a million people on the west lawn of the Capitol, we gotta we gotta. Get people revved up and riled up. Good, well, what good, I'm talking, uh, what I'm talking about is is the webinar to organize it. Yeah. That, okay. That well, guys, front, no, I'm you sorry. can do the webinar as soon as you want to, Charlie. I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. Let's do it around. Uh, oh, okay. That's holiday. fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But give it a give it a date. But come to W. Uh, you know, I want everybody. We're going to organize it on www dot douglas commonwealth dot us all right guys we're gonna have to end it there thank you so much johnny and 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 charles you know that we'll have you back again uh you've both been on the show before and i appreciate it and this is a discussion that's have to that's gonna have to go on uh and 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 you're right we do have to all stand up together and thanks so much for, for being on our show. I want to wish all our listeners a happy new year. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank the people. You know, shadow politics is going into its 10th year. So I want to thank my co-host Maria Sanchez and Marilia Duffels, the production staff headed by Karen Zolget, uh, Don Newsom, Doug Newsom, Deborah M. Emerson, and Kimon Freeman and our friends at We Act Radio for making this show a success. And most of all, thank you, Johnny Barnes and Charles Moreland, and we'll see you next week. Well, uh, thank want- you, Senator, for being a long-distance runner in this fight for thank freedom. It, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, but we're on the last leg. We're going to pick up the pace. Thank, thank you, Senator, right. for all thank you, you do. John, and Happy New Year and Happy Free New DC Year. in 23. Okay, That's a good song. Free I DC think. in 23. Free DC I, in 23. That's a great song. Yes, sir. Let's and go I, with it. And Let's I go. dedicate this song. Uh, we always end the show on a song. And here's one from uh, one of our favorite sons here in Washington, D.C. Here's uh, Marvin Gaye start out the new year. Thanks, guys, for being on the show. We'll see you next week. Happy New Year. Okay, Senator. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you Representation in the capital of this nation. Give the people their right to vote. Give the people their right to vote. Give the people their right to vote. Give the people their right to vote.